<laughs> no, it's staying in. So the Terraleptals, right. no, okay, right, they okay. want to uh, something with bracelets. There's some rats. Isn't it seventeen something sex? Maybe I think, I think we've got the date wrong. <laughs> I think it's seventeen seventy six. No, that was the year of the founding of America. I don't know. <laughs> so it's oldie worldy times. This is the worst thing that's ever it's the happened. liberal agenda again. It's so woke. There was me, my favourite guy, Isaac Newton. I have a shrine to him. He's so important to me personally. I collect apples just his, for him. And his whiteness is just really part of his identity. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, We're not going to talk about it. We don't yes. Care. So Isaac Newton, he's strolling out. He says hello to his caretaker who looks very familiar oh, to a lady. very familiar. Susan Twist. Susan Twist, who's in the church on Ruby Road, but we'll get onto that later. Um, but you know we'll, we'll take in a another note. episode. <laughs> we will take a note. Um, but yes, he's walking. He's like, "Have a good idea," you know. We think, you know, he sits under a tree, and then of course a TARDIS just crash lands in the tree. No, the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all the apples fall down. Yeah. Yes. Um, and the Doctor and Donna they make a fucking random ass gravity joke. Isaac Newton mishears it. Um, and, and it becomes Mavity. And it becomes Mavity. What was that delightful word, Mavity? Honestly, hilarious. I think I love this running guy. I think it's very, very, very milly and pointless. It's a random ass scene that I do not understand. Like, I suppose if, you know, looking at the rest of the episode, it's very much, you can understand that it's a bit of levity. It's like, it's lulling it's a bit you of levity. A it's it's basically, I think, setting up that they didn't just go out of control straight to this place. Like, yeah. They've been to lots of different places. I think it's honestly, it's like, it's like the Big Finish scene. It's like where they go, so there's some time in here, Big Finish. You could write some... Some box sets. Some what happened, you know, what what seven box sets happened while they were flying about with the coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, find, I think it's funny. And I and I like now that there's this running gag of the I, I all like the density that. and mavities in the glove. Uh, I, I really like that he's sticking with it. I think that's the... It's the funniest thing to me. Like, I, 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 I think when I first saw the scene, I was like, that's a bit dumb. But you know, the more that I get onto it, the more I like it, and it's it's proof as well that Russell's very willing to change the show on like a fundamental yeah. level. So random. Yeah, it's random. I don't know where he, what made him do it or why he came up with it or whatever. But it's I think it's funny. It's fine. I don't mind. Yeah, but then cut to credits, cut which to credits. we have. Well, uh, yeah, credits intro, which we haven't actually talked about. I mean, we didn't talk about. What do you think about the intro? Uh, I'll start with the music because I think the theme is nice. There's one big problem with the theme and that gets to, you know, that's more the end credits with the, you know, I think that is the worst thing that I've ever heard, but I like it. I like the music. I like the intro. I think it's nice. Yeah. I, the music's fine. I love, I love the, the, the music. I think it's, I've never been a huge, like, I've never really particularly, 
I think the 2008, late 2008 theme, the, the sort of heavier rock version of mm-hmm. the theme is my all-time probably favourite version of the theme. But I don't particularly, I'm not particularly bothered about the theme. I never really mm-hmm. have been. Um, I don't I don't know why, but I just don't have the same kind of love for it that a lot of people do. Yeah. Like, not even in general, just the, the core theme. I think it's, it's, I think maybe one of my, like, I think the classic renditions of it, especially like the very original, probably my favorite as well. Yeah. Like on the two ends of the spectrum, it's either like really hard and heavy or it's like just this really sort of eerie kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, like the, to me, it's fine. Like, I'm not too bothered about it. People like hate the Capaldi one. They're like, I don't like the, I'm like, I think it's, I don't, I'm not. I, I like, I like all of them. I, the only one I'm not super fond of is Jodie's. Which, again, is not like an attack. I just don't think that it's... I think it's the theme is fine. It's the visuals for that one that really, like... Bro, I was just looking at washing machine, you know what I mean? Put some purple dye in there. Like, I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't appeal to me the same way as this one does even. Even with the cuts and stuff, which I think is fine. It's a really silly point that people are like, Oh, it's cutting. I don't like that. Like, it looks good. It gives it energy. It's a journey through the vortex as well. And it's, it's different, again, which is what I'm here for. Um, the, the worst part about it is that the logo. I think the way yeah. that they animate the logo is a little bit disappointing. Animate is a loose word. <laughs> just, I, just, I just thought... People were saying that. They think, well, that's just a thing, you know, because when we get to Shitty's era, it's going to have... Because I thought... That, I agree with him. I thought this was probably true as well because this is, it sort of cuts off very abruptly. Yeah. The theme... It's like, uh, and then just, da, da, and we're, we're into the thing. And I'm like, I, I agreed with people that I thought it, that was a cut and that there was some part of the sequence that was specific to Shooty's era mm-hmm. that they were like, well, we don't have the money to do it a whole different version for this, so we'll just cut that out and we'll bleed it in, and then the full version will come in for Shooty's era. Yeah, we get to but that didn't the happen. No. In the Church on Ruby Road, at least. Maybe it's just for the series, but I don't really get why that would be and not for Church on Ruby Road. Mm-hmm. I what I do know from the um, was it the commentary? I think it was the commentary that they they filmed or planned or there was something about a, a part of the thing where the Doctor and the companion would be at the doors of the TARDIS. Oh, okay. Is that right? I, I've never heard of that. I, it was in the commentary, I'm sure, for Church on Ruby Road that they did a version where. You like the TARDIS doors were open, and you, they mm-hmm. were like it's like the sort of the face bit where yeah. you would see the doctor's face, but instead it was both of them in the TARDIS. And you know, you know how sort of like uh, in the series, is it series seven, yeah, where it opens it the wrong way, and they go into it, and it goes, yeah, it yeah, goes the doors the open way. the wrong way. So it was, it was going to be sort of like that, where the TARDIS would be flying through the vortex, and they'd be there, and they'd be like, "Whoa, it's us, we're here." I thought that would have looked a bit cringe, but anyway, apparently they, they, they did it, and they also did a version for fourteen and Donna. Yeah. And that was and they were just scrapped. So that kind of puts paid to the they're gonna add a bit for shooty thing mm-hmm. because if they could afford to do that for each of them, they could afford to do the and I just do I think is that the bit that's been cut? Because as it is, I just feel like that's way too abrupt. And I miss the face. Yeah, I do I do like that. And I miss the fluidity. I have to be honest, I don't agree with you about the cuts. I don't think it's like they're the I, I don't despise them, no. But I just think it takes I think you said it like makes it feel gives it momentum I think it takes all the pace out of it I think what had momentum you know like the 
the 2008 or the, yeah. the 2005 where they were hurting through, we're following it, we're getting other things. Then we come out into that bit of dead space, that pause, and whoa, we fired in there. That's great. Um, I think the Jodie title sequence is fine. That's one continuous thing. The original is one continuous thing. Yeah. Every title sequence, even the ones that I hate, like the seventh title sequence. I'm going to hit you. The, I know you like it, but it's awful. I'm going to hit you. That has, does that have a cut in it? I don't think it does, does it? I don't know if it has a cut. It has like no, no, of, I think we, it's one continuous shot. Yeah, it's, even that's one continuous shot. I just think the title sequence should be one continuous shot. I just don't... The cuts feel jarring and unnatural. I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, I'm, I like the TARDIS skating around the vortex, and mm. that's fun. Um, I like how colourful it is. I don't mind that. And I agree with you about the logo. It looks like shit. Um, okay, so that's the intro. Uh, we cut from the intro, and the TARDIS crash lands in some sort of spaceship. And the Doctor and Donna, they step out, they have a wee a wee tiff. But I like it. It's not as confrontational as the 2008 stuff. They've, you can see that they've grown as people. The Doctor even like puts his hand up to be like, I'm sorry, you know, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. And then I like that. I like their, their dynamic. I really host. like their dynamic yeah. from this point on. Um, the when when she came sort of metacrisis and became Dr. Donna again and she was very original Donna she was sort of very she was like I gave away my money like we didn't talk about that but um, she sort of was very kind of confrontational and very old Donna and that yeah Um, and I think from this point on their dynamic is fantastic I think you can clearly see that the Doctor is the Doctor Donna obviously is lifted now, so yeah, like, yeah. She, she she's is Donna, restored. and she's sort of Donna with the experience of life, and then she's also, and then he's also. You can tell he's. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. It's the writing. It's David's performance. It's just great. He's you so clearly three regenerations. Yeah. What is that? Some amount of regenerations <laughs> later. Um, four regenerations later. He's so clearly four regenerations later. Um, but he's still the same, which is brilliant. Like, as David said in one of the magazines or something, it was like, there'd be no point in me coming back and playing it completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I agree with that. I think I'm really glad that it's 14. It's, it's his own incarnation, but it's still 10. Yeah, it, it, it's four, 14 is a different person by virtue of having lived experiences. Yeah. He is 10 if 10 came after... Jody. 10, 11, 12, and 13. Yeah. You know, like, um, he is... And that's, a, I think, incre- and he's right. You know, why would you want him to come back? He's going to do it completely different. But I think it's different enough, and it's not just different for the sake of being different. Yeah. It takes what we've seen for the past 10 years, well, over 10 years, Jesus. since um, that time, and adds it to the character of the 10th Doctor. Yeah. And I think that changes him. He's more compassionate, not compassionate, he's more sort of like willing to he's less vain he's more he's open older. he's more emotional he's wiser yeah i like that a lot and i like that he uh he feels like how 10 should have been to me like i, I love 10 you know he's he was our doctor you know what i mean like he was there but i think this is my i like him i like 14 over 10 because it's it's 10 rounded off i think it's 10 with the edges sanded off yeah where he's just that's that's nice, you know. I would have gladly taken a full season of Donna and fourteen because it, again, Starbeast. Finish. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely going to happen, by the way. But I mean, Starbeast was a season opener, and this is maybe like your fourth episode, really. I mean, this is a midnight episode. Yeah, this is your this is your double leading up to the finale episode. So 
because there's all those box sets in between there and there because we've seen it even in the magazine we've seen those box sets yeah there is there are stories their dynamic is just better yeah it's I just still better. prefer I still prefer Tan um, to me I get what you mean that he's he's essentially nicer he's essentially yeah. more doctory but I just still prefer to I think he's I like Ten's sort of rough edges. I like his complexity. I like that he's not always nice. I like his vanity and how far he'll go. I like that, yeah. I like that and a now lot. now we're talking about 2008. <laughs> but, well, that's what this is I about. I know, though. I know, yeah. But I but I, I think I still prefer Ten, but I get, I agree exactly what you're saying and I think the, the fact that their dynamic has moved on mm-hmm. is is great. Yeah. So they have that nice little scene in the, in the room and then they step out of the room and into the episode's probably biggest problem, and it rhymes with visual effects. Visual effects. Um, yeah, this is. I will stop doing that. This is this is the one. This is what kind of why I was reticent to get into the in the last when we talked about the Star Beast, the visual the budget thing. Yeah, because this is where I think the perfect example of having too much budget, and it and it sort of dulls the creativity, because. Not because I get it, you have this huge ship. It's got to be huge to make sense. Fine, but I think if you'd done this in two thousand and eight, you would have implied that. Yes, you would have been in small rooms and then maybe one scene where you do the big run down the thing. And they would have made cardboard cutouts that you put on the end of each each section of the. the... Yeah. Or and I mean and I mean I mean they've done big long corridors. They did. Yeah. Uh, uh, they'd go under the Millennium Center. That place. Yeah. Because. Waters of Mars, they have a scene where they do a big run on a robot up all, you know, all about the thing. Yeah. Um, and that is great because it's like dank, it's creepy, it's weird. It makes sense as well. It wouldn't exactly, but I think you get my point is that just the, the visual effects are a bit janky. Yes. At times. And that's very Doctor Who, but I forget. But I think for me, it takes away a bit from the episode. I mean, let's be honest here. They've got all this big budget. Like, I mean, this is the first time Doctor Who's had proper movie budget since the TV movie. I don't think it has a movie budget, but okay. Well, it does, because, I mean, apparently one ep- the budget for one episode, Russell was saying, is the budget that they had on a season. Yeah, but that's still not a lot. It's not a lot. It's not a movie budget. Well, it's it's more than enough for Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. And I think the fact that they, they have all this big budget, and the second thing that they actually do is build a big corridor and make them run along. I think that's great. That's just that. that's so funny. Doctor Who. Two cast members. They were like, "No, nah, we're not expensing, you know, extra cat." No, we'll do two cast members, and you can play this. You can play the villains as well. Yeah. We'll just have you a big corridor. Go away. And that's great. It's it's my favorite thing. But to me, that premise. You say two cast members. They're playing the villains and the heroes. They're in a deserted spaceship. That's a low budget episode for sure. And. It's just because it's a midnight. This is his sequel to Midnight. Mm-hmm. I think not enough people have been saying that. You because people are like, oh, the Midnight comparison is obvious. Yeah, it is obvious because it's a fucking sequel. It's it's not a direct. I'm, I'm well, saying well. it's a spiritual sequel. Like it's so obviously the same thing. Yeah, it's definitely. There's like... are creatures that copy. Yeah, and they seek out the most intelligent thing, the thing that thinks the fastest. They copy it, and then they you know basically try and become you and then it's the same thing interestingly because again in midnight it never had an entity like i never had a form Mm -hmm. it was only the entity do we think that these entities 
are the same as the Midnight Entity because I've seen this. I, I, I even thought it myself watching it, but I've seen it floating about. We didn't see what the Midnight Entity looked like on the outside. You know, he could have been developing Ten's body or Sky's body. It it did have to have. It must have a physical representation because it knocked. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, but do we think it's the same? I think that'd be a very very cool, you know, thing. I don't know how you'd explain it off. Maybe it's just another one of them that have slipped through the the edge of reality. But I think it, it's nice. It's a nice little head cannon, anyway. I don't think it's true. Yeah. But I think it's fun. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever want them to no. to say it officially. But I think it's fun to say. I think in my head, it's it's fun to think that um, the midnight entity is like a sort of maybe it's like a refugee or like it, it also yeah you're right it also fell through from mm. the, from the nothing and 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 sort of crashed on this planet and um, it was like what do I do and then it, and 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 it sort of existed formless without any shape and then it found this thing and from it it learned to have a bit of form and it could not and then it went but it couldn't maybe it was like slightly different because I mean maybe it's a different creature. From the, the same, same planet sort or of area, you know, yeah. there are lots of humanoid things. Why can't there be lots of entity type not things? But they all have different properties. Some of them mimic, like this one mimics speech and sort of voice, and then these ones mimic form. And yeah, you know. um, I like that, and that could imply that there's another one. There's like other not entities. Yeah, we could. I mean, I we could see. I think in another ten years, we could revisit the. <laughs> I don't, just just for I the special. I don't think you should do it too often. No, it would sort of wear itself out. But but I think. I should say, I think this is a great episode. Yeah. It's easily the best of the three for me. Okay. Interesting. Um, but it's not as good as... I don't find it as good as a lot of people do. I have problems with it. And again, I think it comes back down to the budget thing. I think they went, oh, look, it looks great and it's huge. They lost for me... Again, it's comparison to Midnight. It's mm-hmm. like Midnight works so well... Because it's such a simple concept and it's all about the people. Yeah. It's about the way those people interact, the suspicion, the fear, the the way they behave. The tension is made from the people. It's not actually from about the monster obviously impacts it, but it's the people. It's how far they will go and how wrong the doctor gets it, which is also And that doesn't have to be the same thing in Wild Blue Yonder, but I don't think Wild Blue Yonder has that hook. Yeah. For me. It doesn't have that that thing of like this is the this is what it's about this is this is why we're doing this yeah that doesn't make it as great as that for me it's like it, it just is i don't get the why i don't get the what it's about it gives us some nice moments i think some really great moments with the doctor talking about gallifrey the timeless yeah. child the flux um i think it's a very good episode i do think it's a very very good episode in 2008, like in a series. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why it's a special. Again, I understand why they kept it secret because Matt Smith definitely wasn't in it. Brooke Baldy and Susan, they, they were, you know, being happy. Um, well, I mean, Russell, is, I mean, now you brought up that point, Russell said on the Doctor, the official, the, yeah. the much worse official Doctor Who podcast, which you should not listen to and listen to this instead, that um, he basically asked them, I think he recognises, was that a bad idea? To, yeah. to keep it a secret because people he knows that people went oh it will have Susan it will have Matt Smith whatever whatever he, they did hype it up significantly and I think he, I don't think they hyped it up but I think keeping it a secret that yeah. hyped it up people did that they didn't do that but they keeping it a secret had that sort of unintended yeah consequence and I think keeping it a secret 
uh, I think it worked. I it, think it was a good idea. I think the episode would have been much less effective. Yeah, this wouldn't have worked if I knew... Like, if I'd seen any of the images... If or... I'd knew, known that it was going to be another Doctor and Donna and that, that they were copying thing. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't like it was a mystery for a huge amount of time. No. It was a mystery, and then they come into... So they, so they have the, the fantastic scene where they... Um, the each not thing goes to the other yeah. one's room and they're in two separate rooms and they think it's that one I think basically I knew something was wrong from the moment that we cut back to David no I nope. knew something was wrong from the moment that David the not thing doctor yeah. sat down See, I, for the first moment we see him basically that he sits down it's just the way he slides down the wall it's really creepy and also even I think and I think this is why this episode is actually really well directed and I would have loved to see what Rachel did with it but I think Tom King was it Tom Kingsley or yeah. Ben King or Ben Kingsley the Mandarin Tom King <laughs> yeah Tom Kingsley um, does a great job with it yeah even in that thing and I know maybe it's not intentional because it just you you can't do it but the film language of the fact that we don't see the Doctor leave his room yeah that we're cutting he's doing things he's doing things and then we cut back and he's just there and immediately to me that just says to me that's weird why didn't yeah. we see him finish what he was doing then he comes back why didn't we see him even just going back why didn't he why doesn't he say anything immediately you, you i can feel it i feel there's something not right here yeah. and i don't necessarily go it's a copy or a duplicate or whatever but i just something's not right yeah because well i mean it's an ingrained film language like we all have that it's when you know i'll get onto that in the next episode in a bit in this episode because if if it, if it wasn't a not thing it would just be poor editing yeah you'd because it doesn't you don't feel the connection between the two exactly. scenes it leaves you on a hanging action but when you get into poor editing this is probably the only aspect where I think the editing is very very good I think this is the only aspect of all four specials where the editing right. really really works mm-hmm. in almost every episode there's a problem with the editing and we'll get onto that a lot more in Church of Ruby Road but the editing is not so bad here I don't think there's some odd shots there's some odd cuts but it's not. it doesn't take you out Whereas uh, it does in The Giggle, we'll get onto that, and it certainly does in The Church and Ruby Road. The editing for this is, it's like, this one works, but it's mental, like, I do feel like it, there's a step down, ah. especially comparing it to this, which is, it's so tight. It's really well edited, and there's lots of, like, hidden cuts as well, the, the director shared, I think it was even in the behind the scenes video of um how they did there's a scene where i think it's the end of that scene actually but they first discover the not things yeah and so um the not thing follows uh catherine out and it's catherine and then we cut behind and because obviously catherine the not thing has to come out of the opposite room yeah the back of her head becomes the stunt dub uh, the, the the double and then so we have to see her face and we don't see david's face so david's that one because he comes out of the room and then we swap round and David's the not thing. Yeah. It's it's incredibly well edited because I didn't notice any of that. It's well edited and it's well like cutting. choreographed as well. Everything that I, I genuinely I agree. It would have been interesting to see what Tulele did, but what Kingsley uh, Kingsley? Yeah. yeah. What he did was I genuinely it's fantastic. You really couldn't ask for much more. Um so yeah, with that scene as well, I think it's interesting to talk about David and Catherine in this cuz they really do not phone in any of these performances, specifically David. I think when he talk, like when he becomes, you can tell there's a clear difference a, between the. I not think thing. both of them do. I don't think anyone's better than the other. Like they, they just the not things. They have this emptiness in their eyes that you just see immediately. I think it's just like the uncanny valley of, of David. Like see, yeah, like he's somehow... so he's menacing. See when he talks about Wethlin, he's like 
he was such a lovely man and he smiles but it's not a joyous smile such it's a, a grin. lovely man it's like a grin yeah. and you're like that's not right mm. there is something thoroughly wrong with that and again we actually there's all that horror going on and you know something's not right it's uneasy but there's also that amazing dialogue uh, with 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 wealth and Donna and then the Doctor you know creating this lore for the TARDIS and what it does it's genuinely beautiful um, it's really really nice stuff and then it's just it's compacted because you know that it's not between the real Donna and Doctor yeah. I love that I think that's genuinely some of Russell's strongest mm-hmm. work Russell's always yeah. strongest when it comes to just enter just conversations yeah interpersonal relationships between characters um, and I think you could have you could have lost that where you know you have um, characters interacting where you know or they know that they're not the real thing so they just mm-hmm. don't say anything but I think you get he sets up scenes and later as well the uh, scene where each of them goes into a room with the other one they're yeah. trying to work out which, and the doctor talks about the timeless child and the flux and stuff it's mostly the flux isn't it yeah it's the flux um he sets up scenes like that where they have to talk to each other. Mm. They can't just say, well, I don't trust which one of you is which, so I just won't say anything. And so you, you can get the moments between the characters that you need to, even just to explain to the audience what's happening, to give the audio, the Doctor some development, to do something with the, the flux, mm. which Chimel didn't do, um, to actually address how that affected not only the world, but the Doctor personally. And you get to do that without it just being a break in the story yeah it's so cleverly set up because you could easily have them have that conversation at any point in time but it would totally kill the story because it's not related to what's happening but the but he sets it up so that you can have and we know it's it's not the real one mm. because the not things when we see both sides so you know the not things wouldn't be having this conversation with each other yeah so one of them is not the right we one. know that um, and I think even it's pretty clear from the because I think the not thing always comes in second or something, but I think it's um, it's not like it's a mystery to us that they might be talking to each other. Yeah. But but we still can have. Is we that we manage to have the tension of they don't know which one is real, mm-hmm. and the emotional moment of them having a cathartic conversation, either though neither of the characters are actually having it with the other one. I think it, it it still holds that weight though because they could be having that mm-hmm. like it's very much they do like one of them one side of that does get that conversation because the development isn't necessarily about the relationship the development is personal to them yeah invoke more emotion in me with two characters the Doctor and Donna than any of the characters actually went through those events yeah. do you know how wild that is like did you imagine Yaz actually giving a shit about the flux and asking the Doctor how she feels about it like it, it's, it's like saying you know you know, Ace battles the Dalek, but then Rose cares about that more. Like it's it's that same level of that shouldn't happen, that shouldn't make sense. But Sinus Tribunal didn't address it. You know, the universe is technically still destroyed, by the way. It's it's entirely destroyed bar Earth. Yeah. There is no sun. <laughs> like if we're if we're going through what Chibnall did, and you know, it would have been any, very disrespectful to just completely ignore it. And I'm right. Yeah, I do I agree with that. Would have done that. But I kind of did think that he wouldn't, you know, directly acknowledge Yeah, it. I thought he would just kind of move on. So, well, yeah. that, as, as Doctor Who always does. Doctor Who never, yeah. kind of very rarely between sort of production teams, 
um, ever sort of picks up what they were doing before. They just say, well, that's happened, and if it becomes relevant, we'll bring it up. Yeah. But we'll just, we'll well, like it probably won't come up, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that he specifically chose to do that. And that, but I think we have, I think Russell basically took the generous version of the half, the universe story. Cause, yeah. Because the, cause, um, the real doctor says, um, half the universe was destroyed. I think he says basically mm-hmm. destroyed half the universe. And apparently it's, so it's still half. destroyed. Yeah. So it is still destroyed and it's half. We're not saying it's the full, because if you actually watch, uh, what's the episode where they do it all back? Survivors of the Flux, maybe? or Vanquishers? It's the Vanquishers. Vanquishers. That's, the last one. That's the last one, but I think there's the one where they sort of discuss... I can't remember. Um, but it all happens. The the Lopari put the shield around Earth mm-hmm. to protect it. The Flux is at Earth, so it ravages the solar system. There's no sun, and I think they have a line about the Lopari are keeping the heat in or something, um, which is weird for Chippen to address that and not the fact that half the universe, the whole universe has been destroyed. But anyway, it must be the Vanquishers. Yeah. Somebody, I think, is it Tectaean? Says that she's going to, or the or the time somebody is going to undo it and redo it for fun. Yeah, I think they were going to re-release another flux to finish it off. Yeah, that was a plot point, and I know that the it's Doctor to- wanted to undo something. It's all a total mess. But the point is, somebody goes, "We'll undo it," but it is never undone because mm-hmm. they always say we're going to do that, and then the Doctor basically stops them about two minutes later, so they don't do it. And I think people have latched onto like a, a, a best faith interpretation by saying oh yeah that's what happened the thing yeah. that they didn't actually do but they said they would do that's what happened and that's why it's only half yeah, but that, she just did it that off screen. doesn't happen they do not reverse it so what we see happen I, at the very least the destruction of the solar system and there's like a diagram where it's a certain amount of the universe Yeah, that definitively happens there is no sun there is no sun there's no Jupiter or Mars it's never reversed Obviously, that's sort of been semi-retconned. It was half the universe, obviously not including the bit with the, including the solar system. Yeah. So, I think at this point he just has to kind of pick and choose how it works because nobody else did, which is is fine, you know. Doctor Who does that anyway, but yeah, just, yeah it's just insane that Chibnall yeah. didn't do that in his own. And it's not even like that was his last thing. It's not even like yeah, three specials. Opp- he didn't have the opportunity to to say something about it. Yeah. He, he had just, three specials just, to fix it. He just ignored it. It's insane. I think with Blue Yonder, uh, Wild Blue Yonder as well, there are a couple things. The song, I didn't really understand. Obviously, I know it's like a warning that something's up. But other than that, I was like, okay. Yeah, I think it's it's a song. It's like a war song. Yeah. And so I think it's related to what the Not Things say about how they were attracted by war in the universe. Yeah. Sort and, of and the, the violence of the, and the hatred of the universe and all that kind of thing, and that's what turned them into what they are, influenced them. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I I don't I didn't really get the relevance of the song or why mm. the song why the episode was called Wild Blue Yonder. Obviously, it's the name of the song, but and it sounds good. Yeah, but what, I just don't get why the song. And that's the other thing. I think the the one thing I didn't like was the resolution of this of the episode valid yeah with the TARDIS appearing a time machine would know if he didn't reach the button because if a time machine would know because it can look into the future they wouldn't reach the button why didn't the time machine know they could just go before it even left <laughs> well the, the interesting is if um, the Doctrine being the, the, the Doctrine Donna actually being there caused more of a problem to the captain's plan like if they weren't there nothing would have happened and actually, the not things would have just died. They would have been exploded, and they wouldn't have had any sort of form. And no I'm not, drama. I'm not hugely worried about that because 
people you know you can level that in anything it's like well if they weren't there this wouldn't happen it's like yeah because that's what a story is I don't yeah care. it's fine but but i think just for me just the resolution of explicitly saying that the tardis can see into the future and can know whether they're going to save the day or whatever and thereby knows that it can come back and it's safe to do that mm-hmm. no reason it had to come back like at the last split second I think there's bits, and missing. if it's the, if the point is that like it's so the not things can't get the TARDIS. Yeah, again, I'll get. But it's like so. So the reason the thing ran away is because if the not things got a hold, of, I think they say this: the not things got a hold of the TARDIS, they could go anywhere, they could do anything, they could wage their war, right? Mm. So the TARDIS leaves and comes back at the very end, basically, so that the not things can't get on. But a not thing does get on. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So point. It, that doesn't really make any sense. If the TARDIS can see that, why couldn't the TARDIS see that the not thing would get on? Yeah. Um, it's it's sort of it's just a thing where it's like you introduce the TARDIS has a has can make active decisions based on its knowledge of the timeline, but there are some things it can see and some things it can't. There's... If it can see that the thing won't reach the thing, mm-hmm. how can it not see? That Donna's going to jump. Donna, he's going to pick the wrong Donna. Well, see, interestingly, a couple things there. For the Donna thing, I think it's interesting. There was no real like resolution. He just flicked a button and she got ramped out, yeah. which is so I silly. I think it was funny. It was funny, but it was. I think it completely undercut the tension because there's that moment where you're like, "Holy shit!" Is Donna getting like? Obviously, she's not. But there is a moment where you're like, "He could do it. He could kill Donna and keep this that one and then try and reform her." You know, like, there's a chance Doctor Who's done it before. And I'm like, wow, who oh, is she going to die? And then obviously not. But... Again, that that was another thing I thought I would have loved that. It would have been interesting. Because especially if, again, if you'd rework the story slightly to have it, like you say, be the toy makers messing with things, mm-hmm. there's no reason the toy maker can't just pull Donna out. Exactly. So you have could have the Do- Donna actually die. The not thing, because it says the not thing is 99.6%. Why not just have it be 100%? It acts and behaves totally like Donna. It can be Donna. He doesn't notice. It says, oh, because I'm trying to get to the, I want. I can't fly the TARDIS, so I need the doctor. Uh, and, then, and, and then it just gets sort of swept up for a bit. Then maybe a third of the way through the giggle. Yeah. He's like, you chose wrong. You chose wrong. And, and then, then it's like a yeah. game. And then oh, something, something, something. And then we go, so Donna's actually dead. No, because the toy maker can pull her out yeah, in the last second. Because it's all again. Or maybe the doctor does. He's got a fucking time machine. Mm. He can go in and pull her out and we don't see it. Wait, like, don't say that to Adric. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Well, Adric was a fixed, uh, it had to kill the dinosaurs. Oh, by the way, sorry, I meant to mention this in the Star Beast. So the doctor has code words for all of the, all of, well, for, for Donna to let her. So he's like, Westerly. And, oh, right, and Dante yeah, yeah. stuff. The, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, the Winter Soldier. Does he have that for other companions? Does he have one for Adric where it's like, dinosaurs, crash. But, 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 but they didn't forget. <laughs> no, but I think it'd just be funny if he had like... I think like, it's just like an memories. activation pattern for, uh, yeah, for, like, for this specific mind lock thing. I don't think it applies to... I think it's so funny that the Doctor would have had to like, mind, like unlock Adric's mind so that he could crash into there. Um, but yeah... I do think that would have been a more interesting route to take. Again, if this was part of the game, which it, it is slightly, because he does the thing with the salt. Yeah, and but, which but, is an amazing scene as well. I love superstition like that. I love using that, but again, that kind of definitively tells us that the toy maker enters at 
after that that point yeah that's when the toy maker so it, it, it kind of devalues the rest of the star beast and the through line because you're like yeah there is no through line he only came here again if this was a game you could have it where it's like you have just freed me and now he's paradoxical because he is paradoxical he's, he's a toy maker he can do whatever he, he can likes be free and then he can go back in time exactly like he literally goes to 1923 so if you were again working this in some sort of game it would have been cool you know I would have very much it would have been easier for me to accept so another thing um, and it, it, I don't I feel like it being really negative but it's just another thing um without being too negative is the so the not things I really like like you were saying the dripping hands the physical kind of they couldn't get human shape and all that yeah budget again might be going into that budget territory again but one of the places where I didn't particularly um like the the not understanding was the growing big and chasing the them through the corridor yeah because I really like the thing how the, the where they talked about how they get they make it cold to get mass they take mm. the energy just just the bit where they get big and run on all fours and they're all I just think that looked silly not scary all of the effects like see all the practical stuff that was it was genuinely like some of the best work that I've seen from Doctor like it's so creepy the jaw as well look it looked good when he dropped his jaw I think it's the moment that they get big you're like okay so you've put big CGI people in a big CGI setting. And they're running away in a CGI car. And you're like, whoa, this is a lot of CGI. Like, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel... I was waiting for quick time events. You know, I was like, B, A, R3. Like, you know, I was waiting for them, you know, for a game. Because it, it doesn't look... It doesn't look good. And it's very washed out as well. Which doesn't help when you're trying to create this dark and moody atmosphere. If you had a smaller set... See those corridors? The, they go into, like, the other section of the ship with the corridors. Yeah. And they're, they're dark and gloomy. If you just kind of did that, I think it would have created a much more tense atmosphere for the rest of the episode. Um, yeah, I think it's it's just the scale. It's like when their hands get big and or their knee thing where she has two knees again. That was mm-hmm. really great. The jaw thing, even going on all fours, still a bit silly, but fine. Yeah, it's, it's just when they get big and their faces start going all weird. They put the Snapchat filters yeah, on. Yeah, that like, basic. What's it just. It just lost the creepiness element for me. Yeah, I think that that's where it fell off, and I was like, I was struggling to get back onto it. It stopped being kind of incomprehensible little things, just little creepy, weird things, and it it became mm. big monster. And I just yeah. that at that point, I was like, I, I, that just didn't work for me. It didn't check me out of the episode, but it just didn't work for me personally. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, there's not much more I want to talk about, but. You know, uh, David Tennant, he has his tantrum over series 13. They do all the rest of the episodes. They, you know, it's finished. And then they escape. Yeah. They land back and on they Earth. they land back on Earth. And who did they meet? Who did they meet? Well. It was so nice to see it him was, back. It was, fant- it was great to see him back. Because obviously in in the last episode, they had they handled it very well. Where they're like, he's not dead, you plum. He's in a home. But you're kind of like, well, I think they've maybe just written him out then. Because... He did actually die, and it's a, it's a genuine shame. But maybe something like he didn't finish. But I'm so glad that we got this last scene where he's like, there he's there. He's happy. Wilf is fan. I mean, he's just. He's fantastic. Yeah. In, in, in everything he was in, Series 4 and uh, specials, what, end of time. Just, he's just so funny, 
lovable. Everything about Will. I love Will. He's one of my favorite, like Doctor Who companion. If you can call him a companion, he's I think he's just can. great. He's so funny. He's so his. I mean, he's but he's not just funny. You'd be no. forgiven for thinking Bernard Cribbins. He's sort of a novelty variety actor. Mm-hmm. He plays even in, when he was in Doctor Who in sixties. Um, yeah, sixties. He played a comedy policeman type character. You know, you'd be forgiven for thinking that's all he was. But some of his emotional performance. I mean, the end of Journey's End. He talks about looking up the stars. The whole end of time where he basically... He, I, mean, I mean, he has altogether probably three episodes. Yeah. End of time part one, end of time part two, and then all of his bits from series four all put together yeah. probably make up sort of a... Maybe it's, a not even, it's not even three episodes. It's like two and a half episodes or something of mm-hmm. screen time. Um, And he manages to make a character with a full, satisfying arc who has realistic relationships with everyone around him and he's on top form in this. I think he's in the wheelchair and you feel the frailty, but he still is just as full so of much joyous. like... It doesn't feel like they've wheeled an old man who, who's like ill. Because he was ill yeah. at the time, just not too ill, and then he becomes too ill to work. But it doesn't feel like they've wheeled an old man onto the set and he's like, oh, I don't want to be here. I'm so old. Get Like, he, he's, he's there. He's full of life. He's full of joy. The way he... His eyes are so lit up when yeah. he sees Tenet or he sees the Doctor again. That entire scene is like a massive big hug, especially after Wild Blue Yonder, which is a very like emotionally taxing episode for the characters and for us, kind of. <laughs> Not to the same degree, but it is like a big hug. You're like, oh man, I needed that. Thank you. And then bang, plane crashes, chaos. It's a little heavy-handed that it just happens. Oh, <laughs> the toy maker's theme or whatever it is, I can't remember. It's banging, but... um. Yeah, you need to have that cliffhanger, obviously, because they are not connected, but they're also connected. It's it's strange how he's how Russell has decided to connect these episodes. Yeah. But either way, plane crashes, things are on fire. It's an amazing cliffhanger, and then that's well beyond it. And it's giggle time. <laughs> <laughs> that was no, good. I didn't because I didn't. Go into it, meaning to do it, and sort of just do it. Oh, I'll do it halfway through. Then where were? <laughs> I kind of ran out of breath. That was really good, actually. That was really like it was the right notes and everything. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was.